Hi, I'm Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 143 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show for clarinetists. On today's episode, I'm joined by Pablo Barragan, who is one of only a small handful of clarinetists around the world to make his living as an international soloist. We discuss ways to communicate with your audience musically, how to interact effectively and engage on social media, and how to keep pieces fresh during every performance. I want to thank our 71 Patreon backers for helping make the Clarinet podcast possible, and this week they'll get access to more than 20 minutes of extra discussion and an ad-free episode as always. We just honestly got a little carried away, had a great time, and in addition to the lightning round, we had some listener Q&A and also talked about some of our favorite other music and just went on kind of a tangent. But hey, it was really interesting and I just absolutely loved chatting with Pablo. He's such a great guy and we really had a lot of fun talking. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Uh, Just a quick note before we start, you know, this is another one that was recorded on YouTube. And as mentioned, I just didn't really enjoy the way the sound quality worked and all those things. So I know it's kind of a trend right now to do the whole Zoom YouTube interview thing, but I'm going to be going back to my method just so we can keep the sound quality and and what we've come to expect here on Clarinet up to a little higher level. So uh, please take it for what it's worth. Enjoy today's conversation. But if you're wondering, hey, what happened to the sound? That's why this interview is a little different than the past hundred or so episodes you might have gotten used to by now. I also want to thank, of course, our sponsors. You can take your playing to the next level with Bakun Musical Services. With 14-day trials, free shipping on eligible orders, and expert advice, you can be sure you're making the best choice for your musical needs. For Canadian customers, be sure to check out the new store that lets you pay in Canadian dollars. And for everyone listening, I have an exclusive coupon just for you for listening to the podcast. You can use code CLARINET at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. And yes, that includes anything from barrels, bells, mouthpieces, all the way up to the new custom clarinets. Again, that's code clarinet at bakunmusical.com. Imagine a reed that lets you focus on your music, lasts for months instead of days, and even saves you money in the long run. It's all possible with Legere Reeds, the world's leading synthetic reed brand made right here in Canada. The European cut reed is preferred by Legere artists all over the world, including Eddie Daniels, David Schifrin, Carada Giuffredi, and many others. It offers a warm, clean sound with great ease of articulation and is now available for the E-flat, B-flat, and bass clarinet. Learn more at your local music store or at Legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com. Pablo Bargan, welcome so much to the Clarinet Podcast. Uh, It's just wonderful to talk to you today. And um, I welcome you all the way from Spain. So it's 11 o'clock where I am right now. And it's actually, what is it, 8 o'clock where you are? It's eight o'clock here. Thank you so much, Sean. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you at your amazing Clarinet Podcast. It's an honor. We're going to chat for probably about 30 or 40 minutes. And depending on how many questions I see roll in here on the side, um, then we'll proceed with some listener questions at the end. And I really invite you to ask Pablo some great questions. He is a famous international soloist who has amazing presence online, fantastic performances. If you haven't checked out his stuff on YouTube, you're really missing out. Um, There's not only some wonderful performances with him um, with various orchestras and solo work, and he's kept up with some really interesting stuff during the pandemic here, keeping everyone engaged. He's just got an amazing online presence and it's such a treat to talk with him today. So Pablo, if you could just tell me a little bit about what got you started with the clarinet. I'd just love to know some of your story and your, your history and how you developed your passion for the instrument. Thank you so much for your super kind and generous words, Sean. Um, I just I just really tried my best, but thank you so much. Um, yeah, my you know my passion came out. Uh, to be honest, I started as many of those kids uh, in the in the band in the music band. On my town, we had a uh, uh, for thirty three years, thirty four years, there was no real music activity in the town. 
and then they sort of started creating a new uh, new band, new group. So basically, they just invited all kids in the town. My town is like uh, 16, 17,000 people. We call that the town in Andalusia, though for some people sounds like it's already a, a little city. Mm -hmm. So they basically invite everyone to come and we were there, I don't know, 50, 60 kids. And uh, to be honest, like the instruments were coming little by little. We didn't have any instruments. So it was like, okay, here we have a trumpet. Who is the next? Oh, you? Okay, you for you the trumpet. Oh, here's a trombone for you the, the trombone. And actually they gave me at the very beginning the soprano saxophone. Mm. And it was kind of, you know, I liked it a lot because I was very little. I was like five or six years old. And then uh, after one and a half year, when I was kind of tasting really the instrument, I was really enjoying and to be the only saxophone, soprano saxophone player in the music <laughs> band, the, the conductor was like, oh, buddy, I'm sorry, but I think we need more clarinet players. So actually you're going to switch to clarinet. And I was like, for, for a week or something, I remember I was just like crying around uh, because I didn't want to leave, you know, my super soprano saxophone. But actually, I'm very grateful for that because I, I discovered with the clarinet um, how, you know, how many things you could do, how much music you can play. Everything which I actually thought with the soprano saxophone was possible to do with the clarinet as well. So I loved it. And I loved Benny Goodman already before that. So it was sort of, okay, let's follow this uh, path now. And I, I, I love it. If I would go back, I wouldn't choose a, a different one for sure. Love that. And so you said Benny Goodman was a huge influence. Who else was an influence of yours when you were, you were younger? You know, there was a jazz festival in the town, which was one of the very little cultural activities related to, not related to flamenco music, which is the folk music in here in the, in the region. Uh, and my parents used to go a lot, so they brought me there. And I remember there was a, a big band from the U.S. coming. Uh, that was a huge boom in the town. It was such a shocking, wonderful impression because, you know, those guys were like full of energy. And uh, I, I was, after that, I was completely amazed. I thought like, wow, this music, this swing, this is what I want to do. So my parents looked for just, you know, who is playing this music and plays a clarinet. So they probably just found out uh, Benny Goodman and they were like, oh, here's a cassette. In that time, we had the yeah. cassette. <laughs> things and uh, they were like oh listen to this one and i remember i had you know sing 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 and uh, memories of you all these things and uh that i developed a huge passion for this guy i was trying to you know uh, figure out his improv improvisations by ear which was a good uh, exercise too and i completely got crazy artie shaw was also for me a great uh, inspiration as a kid it was just fun they were so fun and so free and were amazing i mean they are uh, amazing artist i feel kind of bad asking this but did, did you when you were playing the, um, the tenor saxophone or sorry the soprano saxophone um had you heard of the kenny g at all a lot of people had heard of kenny g when i was younger and I, he was a huge kind of soprano saxophone <laughs> popular culture icon it was he was everywhere around yeah yeah, yeah. Right. Had you, you were familiar with that when you were younger <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep that on a, on a different corner, Shan. Okay, that's true. Yeah, you're right. No saxophone here. That's the rule I made before. No, that was only one and a half year of my life, which uh, I'm yeah, sharing with yeah. you, but normally it will yeah. stay in that box, which I don't want. <laughs> yeah, what happens here stays here. Right? It's like Las Vegas on the podcast today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Any saxophone past experiences are like that for most clarinet players. It should stay there. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're a doubler, I guess. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. So. <laughs> 
So let's talk a bit about how that sort of beginning love of the instrument and music sort of progressed all the way to having a solo career. I mean, a lot of people, you know, enjoy playing clarinet, but not everyone and only a handful really of people have been able to take it to that level. So could you talk about almost, uh, I don't want to say starting out again, but what was it like starting out as a young professional um, in that solo world and, and sort of navigating that? Uh, very, very, very honest, Shan, it wasn't a plan. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't a plan for me. I, you know, I am a very, uh, whatever I do, I really try to do the best. I, I love sports, for example. And if I go jogging, I, the first time I try out, second time I want to get better, then I start asking some friends, how does it work? How can you get, you know, how do you put your feet? How do you do this? How do you do that? It started really like, I wanted to make it better. I wanted to learn better. And at some point uh, when I left uh, Spain and uh, I went to Basel to study, uh, it started somehow getting more, a bit more serious. And then my professor sort of gave me a very optimistic push in the direction. He said, you should try out to do some competitions and try out yourself, you know, go with, go with uh, very challenging repertoire. He put me in the first lesson, the Nielsen Concerto. And I remember I smashed myself with the wall. Like I came to the class, everyone, all my colleagues were super talented, like so talented and so committed, incredible people there. And he put me there to play in front of everyone, this Nielsen Concerto. And I couldn't, I couldn't go through it. I mean, I was really, you know, it was like, uh, we say a shower of reality. You know, this gave me, uh, uh, the message was like, you're coming now from there and it was going very well, but there's such a way to go. And that's how somehow I started to get more and more interested about this uh, somehow a little bit harder repertoire with the solo concertos. And I was like, I want to go to this one and I want to get this cadenza and he said my professor said let's get it 120 let's get it 140 let's go 180 let's try it with this double staccato let's try you know little by little and i don't know i i I felt this incredible energy of the performance of being on stage with an orchestra and i felt like wow i wanna i wanna do this i wanna do this I enjoy chamber music so much. I felt like I wanna, I wanna experience all this amazing repertoire and play with as many wonderful musicians as I can. And I was working super hard, but you know, there's always a component of luck and I'm super grateful for all those people, colleagues, professors, everyone who, who is like somehow leading you into finding your own voice and your own way of expression. And my professor told me very clear, like, I think you could be a really, really good uh, chamber musician and really good solist, maybe better than uh, going for an audition in an orchestra. But maybe it's not your strength. Maybe you should go down the path. It's only like, yeah, maybe it's a little bit crazy because it's, as you say, no, it's okay. It's pretty hard. Like, I, I can't count with one hand the people who are making it through and so on and he said like well if you don't try you will never know go for it and you will see so i try to go super easy like step by step and every day i think well let's go let's practice this very serious very committed you know no we say to have not too many birds around you know <laughs> every concert you go every rehearsal you go for a week 
brother, chamber music solo, have as much respect as you can for all those colleagues who are playing with you and try to learn as much as you can. I, it's, it's a different path, but I think at the end, everything is sort of chamber music, right? So hmm. I try to yeah. think about it like that. It's just chamber music. When, you, when I play with orchestra, when I have the, the pleasure to play with orchestra, you are like seeing those musicians and you are like, we are colleagues and we try the best out of it all together. I have now here a different voice and maybe I'm a bit more exposed here or there, but we make this together. So, um, yeah. So you, you mentioned kind of a step-by-step or uh, it seems like you have a bit of a process behind, behind the scenes that you work with. I mean, so what does an average day of like preparing and practicing and, and sort of working look like to you? And then how do you balance the actual technical and clarinet elements with, for example, um, you're, in the modern age, we have social media presence and you know, business skills and the website and, and all these kind of things. So how do you sort of find a nice balance that, that lets you work on everything um, and, and stay true to your art, but also you know, feel like you're reaching the people you need to? I think you have to be conf- you feel, you have to feel honest to yourself with this or with all this social media for example you have to f- feel comfortable with yourself you have to feel like you are being yourself and you're being honest and you are like uh, of course sometimes you experience things which don't work out I remember the first time I tried to do a little video with some I don't know clarinet tips and then I don't know you see it yourself a uh, couple of days later and you feel like Oh my god that was so terrible when i did you know like why did i do this or this was not clear at all or why did i put the, this kind of camera or no idea but uh, i think all those things are wonderful tools to develop and which are also i'm learning a lot from it too somehow it's this process which you learn you learn so much and um yeah about the um, you said about the technical about the the work i tried you know to I said about the reality and about step by step because I sort of felt um, this first time after things start happening somehow and you see, okay, they call me from here, I have this concert, this concert, maybe you are a little bit younger and you start thinking, oh, it's it's done, you know, and then I'm going to play this, I'm going to play that, oh, this sounds really good. But actually, I think the way is much more you know, to record yourself every day and think, analyze, be very critical, be very humble, listen to all those amazing players and great colleagues that you think, oh, I love this. Oh, this is so interesting. Oh, this is so well done. And, you know, try to improve yourself, put your feet on the ground and really work very, very, with a lot of passion, but very engaged and very self-critical. Otherwise, I think at some point that you don't grow anymore and that's uh, you don't grow the music doesn't grow and then I don't think anyone would love to to collaborate anymore because they would be like okay yeah so with this whole step by step in this process what does your average day look like or is there no such thing really as an average day with with the type of work that you do and, and maybe is that one thing that that might draw you to it well, I, you know, I have my routines, of course, for practicing. I like to do some good warming up because I think, uh, you know, the muscles and everything which is in our body, our physiology, you say it in English, uh, it's really important to keep in shape and to be like, uh, to be healthy, to, to try to think, okay, this is a machine, sort of to say, I want to keep it healthy. I want to keep it in shape for long term because... Mm-hmm. I want to think about in 20, 13, 40 years. So I like to have a good warming up, do some flexibility stuff, some exercise to challenge a little warm up. 
And then I like to go really slow practicing. I'm very much a person of slow practicing, putting the metronome on and going extremely slow, working on my ear support, and somehow always thinking on going more to the basics. And then when you go on the stage or when you go on the rehearsal, let that explode and go for the music a lot. But I try to be, I'm quite, uh, for being a Spaniard Andalusian that many people think we are kind of, you know, very, <laughs> not crazy, you know, but we are people improvising a lot here, there, here, there. But I, actually, maybe because of the Swiss and German education, uh, I got quite also a structure and uh, I'm very, yeah, very German for those things. So I think that one, uh, one necessarily, this is the weird thing about video is I'm used to just kind of starting again because I know I can edit that out, but here we are live. <laughs> um, but it reminds me of something my grandmother used to say. She used to say uh, everything in moderation. And that's so true. I mean, you need to have a little of this, a little of that. Um, and just like you're talking about the balance, even doing like sport and health and, and music, this is all so important. Um, you know, it, it reminds me too, recently I was talking to, I did a set of listener interviews, short listener interviews, and I was talking to people who are younger, maybe just graduating college in their early 20s. And uh, so many of these students these days seem so attuned as far as like their mental health and the food that they're eating and their goals long before what I remember having at that age. So, I mean, I, th I think that when I was, you know, 22, when I finished practicing for the day, my biggest concern was, where's the pub, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> but nowadays it seems like Absolutely. people Absolutely. Yeah, I hear, you know, a 19 year old kid was telling me like, oh, I want to be a teacher and I'm doing all this. And I'm like, man, you got it together. So I think that um, society's changing. It's no longer like a no pain, no gain kind of society where we, you know, we destroy our hands. Everyone's got to be mentally and physically healthy. And, and it's so interesting to kind of kind of learn about. Did that yeah, mindset and totally, totally. Did that mindset help you through this challenging time, do you think, the past few months? How have you dealt with that situation as a musician? Yeah, very good question. It was a sort of a um, very diverse process in finding out also all this balance. As you say, uh, if you are too strict with those things, I think it's hard to survive in any way. Not only to survive, but to live. Uh, my, my teacher used to tell me, I was like, if you don't live, what do you have to tell with your music? What are you mm. going to tell? The, the hours you, you have studied, if you don't feel, if you have never felt love, how are you gonna talk about love with your music if you have never have i don't know if you have never been super sad or if you have never if you don't know what is uh, letting go is how are you gonna tell that on the second moment of the brahms sonata mm. you have to experience you have to live and of course it's important to practice to keep yourself like you know to be a good guy and, and, and good student and be committed and so on but how important it's also to live this last three months i think uh, four months have been a very good example of how to find this kind of balance we had plenty of time to practice but we had plenty of time also to to live in a small in a small space because we had all our quarantines and we were trying to to be just at home and so on but it was a really interesting interesting process to find out again all those very small things which can make so much of a difference in our days and um, absolutely absolutely important to go back there because as you say things are changing and i had already for quite a time the feeling that uh, the speed of life is insane mm -hmm. and this slowing down looking at 
around looking at ourselves, looking at those who we love and people who we, we care about and, and look around and feel it and think, where are we going and what am I doing? How am I feeling my people? How am I interacting? What am I, you know, what am I doing here? And what yeah. are we, that's super important. For me, it has been in a way, because luckily on my family and so on, we, were, we have been all healthy so far. It has been a positive, I have to say, time. Like, I think we're all finding out a lot of positive things out of it. But, uh, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I know that for, not for everyone has been like that. So, yeah. yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, a lot of people, I definitely feel for their, their situations. But for a lot of people also, this has been a, a moment of kind of clarity to, like, slow down a little bit. I, I, the 21st century is such a such a fast-paced thing so that's why it's so interesting to hear someone like yourself talking even about the balance between music and and um and uh you know practicing and and life and that's such an interesting and important thing um i had a, a colleague one time who i used to take six days a week and i was working teaching and playing and all these things working super hard but i was always taking sundays off um because i just needed to rest and uh he yeah one day wanted to rehearse on a Sunday and I just said to him you know look man that, that's my day off like I'm teaching 45 students a week and I, I can't do it um wow. and he was he kind of tried to come down hard on me and I was like you know I think that um it's okay to take a day off you need that kind of rejuvenation right to kind of yeah. focus on on yourself a bit so so we didn't really talk about the social media side of things too much yet so I just feel like you have such a wonderful presence on there um it's very thank very you positive, so much <laughs> very engaging um and uh, everything from the youtube videos to the like live concerts you were doing one last night um so t tell me a bit about this like how are you learning about and engaging with your audience and and what sort of inspires you to keep going because it's tough to come up with new stuff every day and, and feel involved in that it is sometimes sean it's it is sometimes when you think uh, wow because there is so much going on right I and mean, there is so much material and really incredible artists, colleagues, people like sharing so many great things. Uh, during these months when I was seeing like, uh, there were talks, there was live concerts, uh, streaming things like, you think like, wow, there's so much going on, so great stuff. Uh, I, I try, to, I try to, to find it as a tool, of course, to, to think of it as a tool to, to share things and to be like, okay, this is what I do and uh, I want to share it uh, in a, the most honest and simple way, somehow the most raw way as possible. Um, therefore, I try to do a lot of um, live when I put like uh, concertos or something. I like to do a lot live concert or live rehearsal or something, in which mm -hmm. of course there are like some little mistakes or this wasn't properly there as I had in my in my head and so on. But it just happens because I think that's the reality. And anyone we know when we go on stage. Uh, little things happen uh, but I don't know it's a combination of uh, showing the best of what uh, I could somehow share and offer to to my audience or to people who like what I do and also to have fun with it and to learn from it because honestly sometimes when I started especially at the beginning you start recording a video and you see and then you think you look at yourself you're like oh but actually my embouchure in this passage, <laughs> that was at 100% there. Actually, I should practice it a little bit more before I record this or I do this. Oh, this phrasing wasn't really until the end. I'm going to do that again. And then maybe tomorrow I, I record it. It's an amazing, powerful tool to share, to get inspired, to inspire others. 
I think it's fantastic that we have that nowadays. And so as far as connecting with your audience, you seem to be just so, so engaging. Do you think that part of what people like nowadays is sort of seeing behind the scenes or a little bit of um, you know, what makes us human kind of thing? I think they want to see reality. Yeah. I, want, I, I mean, if I, want, I want personally to see reality. When I see material from my colleagues, whom I admire a lot, but I want to see them going there and suffering in this thing, or <laughs> trying their best here, or you know, showing ah, this vibrato here is so hard, but this is how I'm practicing and I'm doing. I want to see reality. I want to see something not being hundred percent as someone wish, but trying three hundred percent to be as he he wish. Um, I think this uh, natural being natural and being somehow honest to yourself, honest to your, to your people. I think that's somehow for me, it's how I, it's how I feel comfortable. You know? I hope that for my followers is the message somehow they get. <laughs> I think they do. I think they do. <laughs> um, you know, it's so interesting because you were kind of alluding before that, um, we were talking about, I guess, the differences between the past and, and today and social media is a very obvious way that this generation is different from the previous generation of players or even before that. But what are some other ways that you think that modern music is, is uh, different from, from the past, not just the music itself, but as a performer and, and to sort of live this life and, and be engaged the way you are. Yeah, I think uh, that nowadays there's much more the possibility of being in contact mm. with those people. Like for example, if now uh, when, when we go and play some concert, there is always a possibility in the general rehearsal or something that uh, last time I remember they were, that there were a very significant number of clarinet players, young clarinet players. It was a, I had a concert in Macedonia and suddenly they were like, I don't know, like 40 or 50 young clarinet players. And they came, some of them, for the general rehearsal. They were there around and then we could talk a little bit. They came and they said like, wow, which finger were you taking here? Or, you know, I like this here. And you could somehow exchange much more. I I had the feeling that uh, maybe some time ago it was more, uh, one would feel more in a distance because somehow approaching these places and being in touch and in the you know in direct contact with uh, these places these people and these uh, actions to say it was not maybe that uh, reachable also regarding all this traveling nowadays everyone can go everywhere and so on um it's a i think it's a one has to empower it's also responsibility to be like i'm doing it and i should also give a lot as much as i can from all of this of course well, you know, it's so interesting because you mentioned the traveling and, and that is a huge thing. I mean, if you think back a few hundred years, um, a lot of people would only really move within about 25 kilometer radius of where they lived their whole life. And like, I will go farther than that on an afternoon just to buy a special bag of chips that I like or something, you know, like it's, you know, if you want to get groceries somewhere interesting, you can go farther than that. And, and uh, the average person, um, I know a trumpet soloist named, named Jens Lindemann. And uh, he travels like two or 300 days a year and millions of miles in the airplane. And, and this kind of thing would not have been possible back in the day. So it's, it's so interesting. But I also really find interesting about our modern day. Like it feels like anyone anywhere can, can make an impact in their own way and find an audience, you know. And so even for me, like I live in Calgary, which is a, a city in, in Canada. We were talking before we came on air, but uh, it's kind of central. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of not really a music town, but... But uh, in the past, I probably would have had to move to you know, New York or London or something to, 
to do a show like this, but because of modern technology, like I can live here and you're in Spain and, and we can connect and uh, even the creativity that explodes. Like last week we were supposed to chat, but something came up and we had to cancel last minute. And then the random idea came up like, hey, why don't we try video? And, and here we are, like you can have these sort of creativity things all the time and it's so interesting to collaborate and see all the creation online nowadays it's just exploding it's absolutely amazing it's such an empowering uh, fact social uh, connecting uh, revolution no i mean only the fact that we can even talk yeah because actually if you try to talk with me 20 or no 15 years ago i don't think we could really communicate because my english was not existing it's oh, not really? great now, but 50 years ago it was like not at all existing. Well, even the technology, like there was no Skype. I mean, we could have talked on the phone, but it would have just been a whole, whole nother. Imagine connecting, we were writing letters or something in the, you know, if it was 1950. Yeah, be, it's a complete different dimension, different world. Two years setting this up. So, so with that in mind, um, and it's kind of hard to know the future, but I think that a musician such as yourself has to be very forward thinking in this day and age too. Um, so where do you see music going? Where do you see your career going and, and how to make an impact maybe 10, 15 years from now, not just today? Uh, where music is going, um, that's a really, really, really great question. Uh, I think music, and if we talk about what, the, what we used to call classical music, which I do not really agree very much with the with the term, with the concept, because I think music is music. Uh, but um, where is it going? I think music has to be transformed. I think music, what we call classical music, has to be much closer and much more feeling, you know, uh, getting closer in the sense also of what we were talking before about the reality. Mm -hmm. To not make people feel uh, this distance and nowadays to talk about distance is uh, such a sarcasm but music should really bring it together and should really have this spirit and this uh, pedagogical uh, spirit of learning together but also um, the meaning of of this language and what what spreads around to everyone um, I think there is still a lot to do with that. I try to, you know, I try to have a little impact with uh, some um, projects which are working very hard in the musical education, going for younger generations, going to schools, doing a little, you know, general rehearsal for open audience in between eight and 15 years old, getting them closer to get to know how is it working out, being in a rehearsal, seeing how we talk to each other and so on. Not everyone is allowing that because many auditories in many places is not that easy, but uh, we try and I, I feel it has a complete different impact than when, when they go and they listen to the real con concert because they know the people, they know how you talk, they could even maybe say hi and talk a couple of words and tell you, you know, my uncle is also playing trumpet or whatever and this makes everything so much closer i think music needs to be real needs to be close to people and needs to be natural and i personally would take as much as possible away this sort of uh, this frack that make us sometimes feel this distance which is not there because we are just all people and music is 
just a super powerful language which is making us feel amazing things all together. This is for me somehow a little bit the direction which uh, I, will, I will try to the last day my very best to, to, to improve in that direction somehow. Well, I totally agree. Like the whole term classical music, it's not even accurate half the time. I mean, people are playing Baroque music or contemporary music or romantic music or whatever. And it's kind of just like a broad term at this point. But like, there's no point where suddenly one day someone was just like, okay, now it's the classical era. And, you know, now it's this. I mean, it was always a continuum. And we're just looking back on on the past. Right. So I think that the future will probably be like that. Two people will look at this era maybe now and call it something. But we don't know what it is today because we're 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 segmenting into it, right? So that's mm -hmm. so interesting. Um, Categorizing this music, is, uh, it's a sort of a pity. I had a great experience a couple of weeks ago in Munich. Uh, we did this concert for the Bayer Classic for the Bayerische Rundfunk with three amazing colleagues with uh, Frank, Vivi and Kian, uh, piano, uh, percussion and cello. And we had this sort of like, they, we call it like crossover, you know, program, but actually it was just music. We were all very familiar with this music. We played Persian music, we played uh, Latin salsa music, we played uh, flamenco, uh, Paquito de Rivera, some Cuban music, a lot of mixture of things. And it, it was such a relief to see how the colleagues could, you know, they can go and play a Rachmaninoff concerto or Haydn concerto, whatever. But we went there with this music and we felt really free and we felt really great. So it was like, no, this is music, as, you know, as much as the other. It's just... Yeah, totally. I love that, you know, and, and I think that, too, the whole live element, there's always something about it still. And I'm not sure it'll ever really go away. There's been a lot of speculation that maybe people now that there's you know headphones and and no need to kind of go out sometimes people feel that maybe live concerts won't exist in the future but i don't i don't think that's true i think they always always sort of will even if it's at a smaller scale or house concerts or various kinds of things but uh we'll have to see Absolutely. have to see what happens so um just for those watching this is your kind of like 10 minute warning for the q a so i see there's actually quite a few people here now but if you have any questions for pablo uh please do post them in the chat i'm sort of eyeing my phone down here to see if any questions are rolling in over there um but let's carry on here so i had a couple of questions about sort of your your mentality towards the actual music itself as far as first of all maybe how do you differentiate yourself um, as a soloist as far as like putting your emotion into the music I mean you remember that life experience is an important part of this but but what other elements do you do to make sure that you convey what you want to the audience mm. I um, first for me like first dimension on this kind of uh, when, when, when one goes to play like solo to say um, for me the first dimension is with the colleagues with the musicians we have to fill it together and I try to think, you know, it's like I invite you to my, to my house. You are coming to my house. We have probably a certain way of doing things. You come there, you feel it, you have certain feeling to it and you see and you are like, okay, I feel here. And you bring something, you bring yourself, you, you bring your energy, your temper, your humor, your your way of doing things of telling and conversations and stuff so i that's for me my first step what am i bringing to them why would they want to talk to me and not to mm. somebody else so what do i have to offer and how can i make them somehow better or how can i inspire any sort of small thing which is improving 
our our music making together. And then when when I feel that when we are there together, for me it's so much easier that we just bring into the audience as a together message. And then this I, I really believe so much in this power. This feeling comes from all of us together into them. Then I feel so free. I had I have to say that I was very very lucky like i don't know 100 percent, but most by far most of my experiences with uh, with these solo performances i felt so much support from the musicians and sometimes of course you have to like be very on your own and focus and be like okay now i have to be careful with this with that this is working in this way or so but i was very very lucky with those like there was always a lot of support so it made it kind of easy to to bring this message and to to experience that uh music making to the audience as a as a message so i guess more what i mean is is um for example a piece like premier rhapsody or or uh the brahms sonatas or any of these sort of standards even i know you've played played most of them if not all of them that we'd consider um when you go to play a piece like let's say premier rhapsody it's been played so mm -hmm. many times. Do you sort mm -hmm. of just, like you're sort of feeling in the moment then the emotions you want to bring to it? Or do you come to it with a conscious um, sort of premeditated idea of like, this is the way I want to frame this piece that's my own way or, or that's different than someone else? Or how do you No, the I mean, the way to work it, I'm, I will go more, you know, I work it very structured for more for what harmony structures or like really uh, climax points and so on. Um, I work about phrasing, about my sound quality. Breathing for me, it's somehow priority number one, priority number two, priority number three, and priority number 10. My breathing, breathing. it's like, <laughs> for me, the, 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 somehow the main issue of every sort of music and concert. But then I'm very, I'm very emotional person and very tempered temperamental and so so for me it's very much about the moment i don't have like a, okay here is gonna be the moment where you know this <laughs> magic happens you can i can have a certain feeling for those moments for example in uh, in dbc i used to get quite crazy at the end and i know that my professor used to tell me always like pablo like where are you going like that's far too crazy like you're gonna <laughs> kill the pianist or the orchestra we never follow like you're crazy but it goes a lot with the moment. Sometimes it's a risk, but I trust a lot in, um, I'm quite a, a believer of no risk, no fun, so. Totally, yeah, I guess, you know, I, my, my question's kind of flawed because I'm, I'm sort of um, almost thinking about them, I guess, in a studio sense sometimes, like if you're gonna lay down a recording, but in a live setting, like, yeah, you're right, you wanna be, be there and present and flexible, and that's what makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. Perhaps so. Which is a pity that in the recordings always go with, uh, I, I, I have quite a um, controversial feeling with these things of the recordings, you know, because uh, I really like very much live recordings, live concert recordings. Mm -hmm. There were concerts which were recorded and I was like, wow, this I will bring in a CD. Then when you are like recording, there is, ah, sometimes it doesn't, doesn't feel so natural, so free. For me, it's more like, oh, you start thinking about making it perfect. Yeah, and once I start about thinking about how to make it perfect, it doesn't really flow anymore, and I start actually doing mistakes which were yeah. not happening before. And then I don't feel so free. I, if I could, Chen, I would only record live recordings, live concert recordings, maybe with 
if you do a big mistake, okay, you can have a tiny correction, but live concert, because that's the reality. Like we were saying for social media, reality. Honesty, reality, music is, is music. We all do. I heard some of the most amazing musicians, which I, I mean, I admire them so much. You know, there's always this little thing here, this little thing there. That's part of it. It's, uh, music is all the rest. It's not those little Makes things it real. for me. It's real. I think so, yeah. But, you know, I've asked this question of several guests in the past, um, and uh, I've never been quite satisfied with the answer, honestly. So I just wanted to ask it again and see if I could get No some, pressure. Little, no pressure at all, yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's something that everybody does to various degrees of success. Um, but I just wondered about your approach to the memorization of music and if you could talk to me a bit about, about that and, and when you have to play that way. Like, what do you do to prepare for the pieces? You know... I, I don't think I'm going to satisfy you with my answer. <laughs> There's no magic trick. I've been waiting all these years. <laughs> Is that a pill you can take, the memorization? <laughs> Blue pill, red a pill. special like. vitamin. Yeah, the red pill, yeah. Exactly. Wake up. Choose your future. You want to mistake in that passage? Do you want to forget yeah. it? Blackout. <laughs> um, <laughs> The truth is, I since the very beginning, I I sort of memorize. It just stays. Like I could listen a melody, and I just remember it. So for me, I didn't I didn't somehow try to learn the things in order to play by memory. I just I knew it, and then at some point, my professor was like, "Oh, he realized like, oh, you can play this without a score. Why don't you try without the score?" I say, "Yeah, but why?" Well, yeah, you can just try, and then. I started doing for it because yeah, then he said like, yeah, well, for a competition, you play the whole thing by memory. That's kind of impressive. And I always thought like, it is, I mean, no, the score is there. Like, why should it? But I, I never, I, I cannot say because it just stayed there. It just stayed there. I, I know from some colleagues that they have certain tricks, you know, like to look at the page and they are like, okay, this passage left up second line, here it is, you know, and then they have it like graphic memory. Exactly. Yeah. I See, me, me, I'm more analytical sorry. and I'm not so great. It's always been a strange thing, but I think because as clarinet players, a lot of the time, if you're not doing solo music, you always get the music. Um, and even with some chamber music like Brahms, traditionally you'd play it with, with music with the pianist, right? Um, but so for me, I'm always thinking more analytically, like, okay, this is this chord or this is this section. And, and but which kind of passage would be, Shan, that you are like, oh, that I really struggle like memorizing this passage. Um, which which one will be like an example of it? Well, I guess you'd get to a point. For example, I remember with Premier Rhapsody trying to learn some of the end of that one. For, we were talking about that earlier, but that last page, some of those different yeah, the chord switches are so quick, and uh, some of the fingering patterns are so bizarre that um, I think it's strange because that is a page that, in my effort to kind of learn it and, and memorize it. I ended up just like you said, it was like, okay, it's just sort of there now. And, and even now, if I pick up my clarinet, I can go play most of that last page and it just kind of comes out. And so I think that, that maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe the, the answer is simply to just practice it until you completely know it. And, um, but I've heard tricks before, like, you know, play for eight bars and then look away for eight bars and come back for eight bars and all these kind of weird things. But, but maybe this you is know, not I, overthinking it. I, I, I love tennis. Mm -hmm. and I, I used to, of course, as a Spaniard, I, you know, Nadal, it's a great inspiration, like Rafa Nadal. 
Mm -hmm. Feather is amazing. But I used to put, um, quite often I was watching Rafa's uh, match and then I was like, you know, practicing my passage and so on. And I heard really from some, from some friends saying like, you know, this way in which you are like, actually you're doing the job, like your brain is memorizing this information, but you are not like really paying fully attention to it. Mm -hmm. I have already heard that this sort of makes you, you know, you memorize it by, by the, by doing it somehow, but I'm not sure at all. But besides that, I'm sorry, it's not, I cannot <laughs> give you a inspiring answer to this. But maybe that is the inspiring answer. That's, that's the thing is like, you just got to totally immerse yourself in it and, and really sort of be the music and not worry so much about the little yeah, because the end, notes and yeah. Unless that is like, I don't know, in a competition and they ask you to play the piece by memory. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you play by memory? If you feel better, really, some of the most amazing musicians in the world, they put the score because they, some said, some I already heard in interviews and stuff, they said like, no, actually, I want to see what was written there because I don't want to forget that there was this dolcissimo sotto voce written because it's important. And maybe if I come there, I don't have the score. Maybe I might forget a tiny bit. So it's actually helpful. If you feel better without, because you feel more free and you sort of have the feeling that you can bring your, your aura and your, your feeling to this music better without, then do it without. I wouldn't put pressure to, to that unless it's completely needed. So yeah. don't worry. You man. know what I think? Isn't it Franz Liszt we have to blame for this whole situation? The guy who kind of started all that. But, but you know, at the same time, I'd feel super weird if I went to a rock concert and they're like, excuse me, I just need to grab the lyrics for, you know, <laughs> whatever song they're going to do, right? So, but uh, I different get it, I get it. levels of complexity, I guess. But yeah, Jazz players are masters on that. Like they can play like insane, like, wow harmonical worlds, everything by memory, all those structures, like now it's coming to repetition, now improv, now this, and they don't even, it's, that's very impressive. Yeah, it's true. But. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, the conversation will end here. But I guess if you're on YouTube today, or if you're listening on the Patreon edition, you will also get access to these extended lightning round questions that are coming up. Thank you so much, Pablo, for coming on. This is a great time. Thank you so much, and it was a pleasure. And I'm very honored and very happy that we could have this talk. Thank you so much. Really. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to the Clarinet Podcast. If you'd like to send me a guest suggestion, have some feedback, or just want to say hi, you can contact me directly at feedback at clarinet.com. And for more information about today's guest, including his website and links to his YouTube channel, you can check out today's show notes page at clarinet.com slash 143. That's the episode number. So clarinet.com slash 143. If you enjoyed the show today, please do tell your clarinet friends all about it and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listened all the way to the end, then you are one of the truest fans of the show and you are awesome. Thank you so, so much. But don't forget that there's actually more to this episode and many others at clarinet.com slash subscribe. You'll get immediate access for as little as $1 per month by becoming a patron to the ad-free extended episodes and you'll be helping make the show possible. A little secret is I also upload the episodes there in higher audio quality and you can still listen on your favorite podcast player and i send you directions how to do that as soon as you sign up again you can check that out at clarinet.com slash subscribe thank you especially to the gold backers who are supporting at a level of ten dollars or more we currently have jason s glenn k david s andrew m william l miguel d debbie a robert w 
Patty S., Josh N., and Karen D. It's getting to be quite a long list, so uh, if you are signing up, maybe only <laughs> join for less than 10 so we can shorten the episodes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but thank you especially to those who are going to that extra length and making the show possible every single month. And I'd also like to thank our sponsors. We have Legere Reads. This is a synthetic reed company that is all made right here in Canada, and they are the leading brand. So you can find them being used all over the world with players like Eddie Daniels, David Schifrin, and Corrado Giuffredi. And they've recently launched their new European cut reed for the bass clarinet. So this now extends all the way from the E-flat clarinet to the B-flat clarinet and down to the bass clarinet. So no matter which type of clarinet you are playing right now, or most of them anyways, you're going to be able to use a reed that's of a very high quality and used by great artists all over the world. And of course, thank you also to Bakun for sponsoring the show. You can use code Clarinet at bakunmusical.com to save 10% on your next purchase. And this does include the Vocalese mouthpiece, which actually pairs really, really well with the Legere European reeds. And, uh, you know, Verrill's bells all the way up to the Bakun custom clarinets. So this is a really great coupon and a big thank you to Bakun for offering that to our listeners here on the Clarinet podcast. Again, that's code Clarinet at bakunmusical.com for 10% off your next purchase at their online store. Thanks again for listening. The next four episodes will be a feature conversation with guest host Richard Hawkins. He ended up talking to some really amazing people and we're going to start with Anthony McGill, who is of course the principal clarinetist of the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. So look out for that next time and I look forward to seeing you here on the Clarinet Podcast, the show for clarinetists.